The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Hail Caesar, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this fine Coen Brothers movie. Joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. How's it going? Very well. Folks, follow The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. So, yes, we are talking about the 2016... Did I get that right? 2016? Yep, 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cohen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. It doesn't seem like it could be that long ago, but I guess it is. And... Uh, <laughs> The, We're missing the, a year from like the 20, 2020 is just kind of gone. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't count. It doesn't count. So, yeah, the, it's the Coen brothers, Ethan and Joel Cohen, who've made lots and lots of movies. Uh, but the ones I think that are real relevant to this are they're not going to be No Country for Old Men. <laughs> it's going to be right. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And uh, what was the other one Clooney was in? I forget now. Um, but the 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 ones that they call the they call their numbskull movies these are their their mm-hmm. fun comedic movies uh intolerable cruelty i think was another one he was in mm-hmm. um and then one called burn after reading which i didn't see but yeah so two cent synopsis or just you know idea of what the movie is it's a it covers it's set in the golden age of hollywood in the 1950s and it's really about one day in the life of uh, this fixer named eddie mannix who's a he's he works for the studio and his job is to wrangle the talent, the actors, and to fix the problems that they cause <laughs> on a day. The actors, the directors, the various, you know, the people like this, and to make sure everything works. And Eddie is dealing with a star that's gone missing, uh, played by George Clooney, uh, Baird Whitlock, I think his name is, uh, and yeah. then, which is a great name, and uh, a gossip pair of gossip columnists twin sister gossip columnists who are sniffing around he's got an actress who's pregnant and unmarried in the 1950s he's got this huge new blockbuster biblical epic that he's trying to get made uh and he's being offered a job at lockheed uh to get out of this crazy business and into something a little more stable that can make a lot of money while building nuclear bombs or atomic bombs or nuclear bombs whatever it was uh but uh and then just sort of the the craziness that ensues in that but uh, i mean that's that's basically it right that's the the, the basic <laughs> pretty much sums it up craziness in life yeah. <laughs> yeah eddie mannix is incredibly horrible no good terrible bad day right <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh one of the things that really sets this movie apart from for me from a lot of other movies is of their movies is it's a feel-good comedy there's mm-hmm. no sinister there's not really cynical at the end there's there's i mean everybody i mean there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't happen. And Eddie, even Eddie does some things that are a little bit outside the bounds of the law, perhaps, and or or <laughs> the good, good taste. But in general, Eddie is trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think that's yeah. that's fair. I think it's also important to remember that there was an actual Eddie Mannix 
and the Eddie Mannix in the movie, the only similarities are he's a fixer in Hollywood and his name is the same. Because if you read about the actual Eddie Mannix, he was he was a lot more shady than this yeah. guy comes across in the movie. Right, right. Yeah. I, well, I would suspect that that sort of guy would have to be. I mean, it's almost impossible for the Eddie, the Eddie Mannix to have been a nice guy like this. I mean, yeah. He's, He's trying. The movie starts with him in a confessional, right? (laughs) And it's apparently been 24 hours since his last confession. (laughs) And spoilers: his next confession will also be within about 24 hours. This is a guy (laughs) struggling with doing the right thing. Well, it's it's funny because he he, throughout the movie he strikes me as a dad, right? He's he's a father to all of these actors, and he's the kind of father that's I have a shovel and a shotgun, and nobody's going to miss you. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's the kind of yeah. daddy is right it's tough love is what he's he's going yeah. for um this is something that uh my wife actually said i could mention but she struggled with scrupulosity a lot and uh-huh. the whole the part where he's in the confessional and he says it's been 24 hours since my last confession and the priest is just like that's too often she's like i 100 percent feel that <laughs> <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> yes yeah i mean it would be too often it's i mean if if you're going every 24 hours, there's something more that needs to be done than just simply yeah. going to confession. Uh, you need to sit down with the priest. Uh, although the priest, he doesn't quite, you know, blow him off, you know, tell him to hit the road or, you know, just give him a, but, but he's, he also doesn't get too excited about it either. This it's the priest is just kind of there and hears him out, but that's about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so, and then the, the title of the movie is hail Caesar. It comes from the fact that they're making a movie within this movie. This is the big, like I said, the biblical blockbuster. It's basically Ben-Hur, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's got the same subtitle. Yeah, The Tale of Christ. You know, so, and, and Barry Whitlock is is Charlton Heston playing Ben-Hur in it, and it's mm-hmm. that whole thing. Uh, and one of the, well, one of the great scenes is they're trying to get, make sure that they they get all of the major religions on board. Like they, they want, they want to make sure that they're all, that all, they're all okay with this, this movie. So they call in uh, an Orthodox priest, a Catholic priest, a Protestant minister, and a Jewish rabbi played by Robert Picardo. Who's the, the, the doctor on Vo- Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. I love Robert Picardo. He's the best. And, uh, and it's just the funniest. I, I mean, it's hard to describe, but like the Catholic priest is kind of, out of touch he's like oh, too theological too in the clouds and he's then, very much he's very much a 1950s 60s catholic priest right yeah but i love <laughs> i love the the way the orthodox priest responds when they ask what the nature of god is and he's just like god is who he is which is a very eastern orthodox <laughs> way to view that yes yes exactly and the the protestant ministers kind of whatever like he's like it's uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. And then the uh, the rabbi is just like skeptical the whole way, and he's like, "Yeah, are, are you you know is are you okay with this?" He's like, "Eh, meh, <laughs> like, like whatever." <laughs> he he won't commit to anything. That's a, it's a, it's great because none of them really seem to want to commit to saying that the movie's okay, but at the same time, none of them really want to tell him, "Hey, stop it or do this." Instead, yeah. right, 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 yeah. And it's like so he has to keep rephrasing his question just so that he can get them to all agree that they they're not offended and. And, you know, they, they won't they won't say anything bad about it because this is the era of the League of Decency and that sort of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, if if a if a bishop said this movie is immoral, that movie would die at the box office, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So 
it, it it actually does touch on a real dilemma that 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 Hollywood had, which was you had to make movies that you didn't offend the religious sensibilities of um, you know middle America. So um, so that that is like one part of the movie. So they're making this movie, and then he's also dealing with the fact that, like as I said, the the star Baird goes missing, and uh, he's been kidnapped by. Uh, um, Wayne Knight playing an extra, uh, you know, Newman from Seinfeld and <laughs> taken to this uh, seaside home where he, he it's hard. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's hard to describe, but he's ends up in this <laughs> group of Hollywood screenwriters who are all communists, which is which is hysterical. Like they all admit, oh, yeah, we've been trying to insert communist propaganda into movies for years, which is the thing that the McCarthy era which you know the witch hunt was all about was oh commies are trying to insert stuff so in other words it plays it straight as if that really did happen mm -hmm. it was so really funny the nice thing is the examples they bring up are the most like ineffectual non non-committal examples ever it's like the townspeople are against the mayor and it's like that doesn't mean anything. Right? <laughs> right. It's just like a movie plot. Yeah, exactly. It's, That's not going to typical. Put, yeah, <laughs> typical Western there, right? Yeah. Right. It's not going to make people go, "Oh, communism." Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, and the and the funny thing is, is Baird is like, okay, so I've been kidnapped, but tell me more about this communism thing. Like, he's totally clueless. He's just so like, like doesn't get it. And is by the end of the movie, he's decided that he wants to be a commie too. Uh, and like he doesn't understand that yeah so uh what are the you, you, yeah. you, you're not even really sure if he understands what a communist is by the, because of the way that he but right. first off because of the dialogue the dialogue's fantastic and it's just it's all of this very like Mannix is the only one that we really see a full picture of understanding things right like everybody yes. else is kind of trying to to put their angle on it he's the only one that really gets kind of the whole picture, which is fantastic. And yes. So the writing's really good in that way. But then George Clooney is just able to play this complete numbskull. Like you're saying, you know, yeah. he, he is so dense <laughs> and and, uh, and everybody's trying to talk to him and they're not sure if he's understood, but he seems really motivated by it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, you really, it kind of shows the, the ridiculousness of Hollywood and the vapidness of Hollywood in some ways mm -hmm. where there's one scene where they, they show him doing take after take, trying to do this scene where he encounters Christ. Uh, you know, so it's a scene within the, the movie hail Caesar where he encounters Christ at this well, where the slaves are getting water and he pushes his way forward. And he's supposed to have this moment where he sees the face of Jesus and has a, so a revelation and he just can't get it right. Like he doesn't quite know how <laughs> you're supposed against to the grandeur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, he, he just doesn't quite get what he's supposed to do. And it just, it's a perfect exposition of, of that kind of cluelessness. And again, like I said, that could come across as very cynical and, and really like, you know, sort of mean, but it comes across as light and, uh, there's a there's a quote I, pull, I pulled from a review that I read of, of the movie. It says the film's ultimate message is that good deeds sometimes do go unpunished, that love might just conquer all and that on occasion all's well that ends well. It's a typically Cohen's irony that this glowing optimism should emanate from a tale of illusion and fakery, but you wouldn't want them to be too straightforward. And that 
pretty much I think sums it. You know, it's it. The irony is in the fact that it's it shows like glowing human nature coming out of this yeah. industry that's all about illusion and fakery. Uh, yeah. So I I, just, I really like that. Well, it's it's funny too because I've I've been struck. Uh, there, there have been a couple of different depictions of Prince Philip meeting the Apollo Eleven astronauts after they landed on the moon, uh, right? uh-huh. and um, and in them it, it's it's based apparently on some some sense of what really happened. That he kind of had this midlife crisis when people landed on the moon, and he was struggling with what he was with with his identity and what he was supposed to be like, and so he expected to meet these guys and have this deep. Uh, you know, that they, they had been to space, they had been to the moon, they, they should have some kind of deep thought about it. And, you know, it's Buzz Aldrin and uh, Neil Armstrong. And they're, they're like, not the, they're not poets. That's not what right. they went to the moon. That's not why they were picked to go to the moon. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he has this very disappointing meeting with them, because he's expecting poetry. And they're just like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, we did our jobs. <laughs> right, right. And it's same kind of thing with the actors here, where you get to see the actors have real lives. They, they have off, off screen lives, and they aren't the perfect image that they're that they are when they're put up in front of us. Yeah, and I think that's something you see a lot of the times when fans get really wrapped up in the actors and the characters they're playing. And then when they talk to them, they realize that for the actors, that's just a job. That's not their Mm -hmm. whole life. Right, right. Yeah. You know, one of the aspects of this, you know, the 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 illusion versus the real, it kind of it really comes out with Scarlett Johansson's character. She's she's essentially Esther Williams. And if you if you don't know Esther Williams, she was a, a Hollywood actress who is best known for playing a character who swims a lot. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it kind of comes down to is this is lots. Of, it's 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 a fifties thing, but uh, she won a gold medal in swimming in the in the Olympics, so that's why. And then she went off to Hollywood, but so she's got this. The, the Scarlett Johansson's character is got this on screen persona of innocent and you know, uh, uh, pretty and out, you know, uh, outgoing. And then sort of behind the scenes, she's foul mouth. She's, you know, immoral. So maybe, you know, she's what she said, like her third husband or something like that. She's having a child out of wedlock that they got to, you know, deal with. And there's this whole thing about, um, you know, the, the real, you know, we've got to protect your image by hiding this unfortunate thing. And there's a whole group of people behind the scenes as lawyers and all these other people whose job it is is to hide this sort of stuff which is very mm-hmm. interesting I, we probably should talk about the the studio system that was in place at the time because it's really at the heart of this movie which is mm-hmm. in hollywood back then like today actors make movies and they go they go to whatever movie you know hires them they go around to whichever movie they want to do but back then an actor would come to hollywood and would be under contract to a studio. It's almost like a, play, a football player, a baseball player under contract to a team. And so mm-hmm. you, you work for them. You are an employee of that organization and you didn't go and make, you know, if you work for MGM, you didn't go and make a movie for capital pictures. It just wasn't allowed. And, right. and so it was, the studio had a vested interest in making sure they're stable of actors. But it went, it went beyond even just like, what movies they could be in. They basically controlled people's lives. Like, you know, their stories with uh, Judy Garland, who is in Wizard of Oz, like they wanted her to be more thin. So she'd go to a restaurant, she'd order a meal and they'd send her out bone broth instead of an actual meal because that was a studio mandate. Right. And so like they controlled her entire life. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, we see that a bit in this movie. So like, cause Mannix, uh, 
it opens with a scene. I didn't quite get what was going on. I'm a little, I think it was a little over my head, but uh, this actress who's in a photo shoot in some guy's home, taking some photos that were not authorized. Like she was dressed up in a German shepherdess dress. Let's just go say that's what it is. And, uh, and he shows up and hauls her off. But like, this is not approved. You're not supposed to be doing this. Um, if people found out, they would be bad. I think this implications that this was not an innocent thing going on. I'm, I wasn't yeah. quite sure. Uh, we'll just put, I guess maybe we'll just leave it at that. But there's this idea that he's controlling. There's at one point where they, they, they say, they tell this one young actor, we'll talk about him in a second. Cause I, I think he's key to this and doesn't get a lot of mention in a lot of the reviews, but uh, there's one young actor and they say, Oh, you're going to this award show tonight with this actress. Yes. Uh, so that <laughs> people can see you guys together. Like, yeah, you're right. If they control their lives completely so uh yeah so let's talk about that the the different characters so uh we've got baird whitlock played by george clooney that's the charlton heston character we have uh eddie mannix played by josh brolin who does a great job uh mm-hmm. and then we have alden ironreich who you will know from the solo movie played han so- the young han solo right. playing hobie doyle who's essentially gene autry right yeah, the singing yeah, cowboy. Yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> I loved that character because he comes off at first as the country bumpkin. Like he's he's amazing on the horse. He does these his own stunts and tricks and the impossible things. He kind of he's kind of dumb, you know, or dense. He doesn't quite get what's going on around him. He's he's asked to go do a dramatic film and he just can't carry it off. But yet. <laughs> He's the one who saves the day. He yeah. sees the bad guy. <laughs> he catches the bad guy. He does what needs to be done. I, I well, thought that was it, awesome. It, it's it's funny because he's out of all the characters, he's the most himself. In, right. In yeah, the, he's, genuine. You know, he's genuine. He he's yeah. not playing a character. He's not being fake. And that's why he has so, so much trouble when they put him in this completely alternate reality to his. He he can't do this thing with the suits and that's not him <laughs> right yeah so yeah he's um it's when Mannix calls him in and asks him about the missing star baird whitlock that he he's right on target he calls it like he mm-hmm. he's smart he's he he sees the truth like Mannix confides in him out of, out of everybody and i really i really think it's he's a an interesting character it's hobie doyle he just comes out of nowhere uh, so that that was really good. And then, as I was mentioning, he's paired up with uh, an actress who is essentially Carmen Miranda, the the yeah. uh, la- the Latina uh, actress who danced with the fruit on her head. If you, if you know old <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, and and they're they get along great. They have like a like she doesn't see him go oh you i don't like you oh they get along fine and they like each other and i just really enjoyed the fact that the people people were not were liked each other when they should have liked each other and didn't like each other when that was the, the thing but i just right i just like that about this movie i don't know why like it's it, refreshing. it feels it doesn't feel like cynical or there's any sort of under like layer of now something bad is going to happen because people have something against each other with these two characters. They're just being genuine and being genuinely friendly. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and then even Eddie's interaction with his wife, he goes home at one point to get dinner. Uh, and she's, she, she's like, how do I put it? 
it's she doesn't resent him. Like he's trying to stop smoking and he can't. He's doing it for her. <laughs> she asks him if he smoked. He kind of avoids the question. But she's still supportive of him. Like there's no like the hidden like she's the the anachronism of she's a she has 2020 uh, fe- feminine values in a 1950s right. woman like you often see. Uh, by the way, um, the actress Alison Pill is Agnes Gerardi in Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. There's a lot of those types of people, like a lot of like I've seen them in something before uh, people in this <laughs> yeah. movie. So just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, it's it's a quite it's got quite a cast. Yes, I, I should name some of the other ones. Ray Fiennes. He plays the director. Lawrence Lorenz, who is there's a great moment where he, uh, <laughs> Hobie is trying to say his name and he just can't get it right. Uh, Where that it's so simple. <laughs> yes, this is a great line. Uh, Tilda Swinton plays Thora Thacker and her sister Thessaly Thacker, the twins, <laughs> gossip columnists. Uh, Channing Tatum plays Bert Gurney, who is essentially Gene Kelly, right? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Frances McDormand has a really brief scene where she's CC Calhoun, uh, and a film editor which she almost dies with her tie, you know, her, her scarf gets got in the film reel. <laughs> it was a funny scene. Uh, Jonah Hill plays, uh, what would you even call him? He's not a fixer, but he's sort of like the paid patsy. His job yeah. Is, yeah. is to, is to take the fall and do the bad, the dirty work in, uh, on behalf of the famous person, the celebrity. He's the professional person, as they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, this I'm sure there's others in there as well. I mean, just this like the like I said, all star cast. One of the things I, I I'm kind of jumping around, and you, you guys can jump in it with if anything if, if you want to. I'm gonna I just kind of took a whole bunch of notes I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. on this. One of the things that I, a, other point I wanted to make was about how I, I thought it was funny. The communist writers are trying to bring down these the system in the per in the in the person of or in the you know the place the organization is Capital Pictures. If, did, right. did you catch that? Yeah, I thought that was. Yeah. I just really like that. I'm like, ah, capitalism. I get it. <laughs> so that was that was good. Well, there and, were there were a lot of really good little throw-ins like that. That yeah. um, you know, like the I think the, the just because the title hail Caesar, right? It, right. And the guy that you have playing in the in the role of the Roman is just not very. <laughs> he just doesn't fit the concept very well at all. <laughs> right. Almost no no ambition. Just he's kind of good at being a face really that's right what his whole role boils down yeah. to <laughs> i just like um i like any movies that kind of give those throwbacks but they try to do them in an authentic way like you get that mm-hmm. very uh very 1950s musical scene or the scene where the submarine comes up yes and uh yeah. gets on it like you can see that it's on a sound stage and it feels very very of its time yes right like I, I just like when when newer movies try to keep that authenticity for like an older type film. Right, right. We should m- mention so the guy, the bad guy in all this is the actor Bert Gurney, the Gene Kelly type, who is actually a communist, a Soviet mole or defector of some sort, who is now going to go off to the motherland uh, on this Soviet submarine. And there's a whole funny scene of them, the 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 screenwriters these pasty faced you know guys behind typewriters rowing this boat and he's standing at the prow like he's george washington crossing the delaware <laughs> yeah and, I like that. And they row him out there and then all this money that all of this they did to do to to, to extort seven hundred thousand dollars out of the studio 
and you know, the to, for them, you know, the screenwriters, because we didn't get what we were owed. And then as Bert is getting on the submarine, they're like, "No, take this to the motherland. The so uh, the the you know the 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 Soviet Union could use this money more than us." And they throw in the suitcase, and then. The guy's yap dog comes running and jumps at him and he drops the suitcase in the water and it sinks to the bottom. Like, like, oh, well, I guess that was all for nothing. It was just kind of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny. So there's a a couple of more Catholic references in this. At one point, Eddie is we see Eddie praying the rosary over his decision Mm -hmm. whether to take this job with Lockheed. Um, The uh, the priest has to tell Eddie at the end that it's okay to keep keep doing the hard job if if he's doing the right thing it's like it's eddie's worried that taking the easy job is sinful like mm-hmm. this is a hard job but he feels like he's doing the right thing whereas going to work for lockheed would be an easy job but i'd be making nuclear bombs you know i'd essentially be helping with war stuff as opposed to making movies which makes people happy mm-hmm. right. and and the priest tells him it's okay to keep the hard job if you're doing the right thing and and because mannix is a true believer and the power of motion pictures to do good. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's how it comes across. I think that's kind of the the through line through the whole movie is that despite all of the silliness that comes from kind of Hollywood and all the difficulty that Mannix goes through, that art has worth and art is an important thing in of itself. And that's kind of that's kind of his his mission is this is worth it because art is good. Right, he gets he gets mad at Baird at the end there, right? When when Baird basically says, "Oh, you know, the communist propaganda that uh, these movies are worthless uh, propaganda," and he gets mad, and he slaps Manic slaps Baird and says, "The picture has worth, and you yeah. have worth if you serve the picture," which is kind of a yeah. nice, interesting flip of the communist uh, propaganda. Yeah, well, and I, I think it's it's I couldn't help but sympathize with him watching this movie as a teacher. <laughs> Because, you know, like you, you, you do the job, but the the job is thankless all around thankless. You know, being a teacher is just one of those jobs that you do it because it's a good job. That's that you do it because you're doing good, not because it's like not because it pays well, not because everybody's going to praise you. Uh, You you definitely don't do it because you're a cool teacher, because that's going to flip on its head as soon as you give them a hard assignment. (laughs) So I just I felt so close to this character, like at the end where he's like, do I take the the easy job that makes a lot of money or do I keep doing this thing because these people, what would these people be without me? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a scene at the end where Baird's character, Atollicus in the hail Caesar movie is at the foot of the cross and he has to give this long speech. It's his, basically his conversion speeches, his acknowledgement of the divinity of Christ speech. And he, he it's this long thing and it's very impressive until he flubs it at the end and they have to do it all again and it kind of diffuses like it takes the air out of the room but he does say this this, this there is this line in there it's basically saying he saw my sin and forgave me anyway and i really feel like that is saying as much about manix as it is about christ right. that's know? that speech is kind of it's talking about christ but it's really talking for the purposes of the movie. It's talking about Mannix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the sinners are the actors that he's wrangling and he's their savior in a sense. He's the Christ figure right. of this movie, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, it, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he does go through 
the the agony in the garden in a way you know i mean th- th- now that i think about that there is he does go through this this is like his way of the cross this day uh for him in a, in a sense he doesn't get crucified but there is uh, some of that right and the movie if you notice it also does open up on the last day before they when they bring back baird it opens with him going up to the hill with the three crosses and the lights mm-hmm. coming up right right yeah it is yeah it's uh yeah <laughs> It is fascinating. I did like that the the uh, one of the thieves is on the cross, and all you see is his feet. And the guy, the grip, you know, on the set is like, uh, uh, "Do you get a box lunch or a hot lunch?" And the guy's like on the cross, yelling down. Well, I think I get uh, the hot lunch because I'm uh, I'm I'm credited actor, not just an extra. It's, I mean, it's just this <laughs> funny, like weird, banal conversation with a guy on a cross. I think yeah. it was actually, I think the guy on the cross is actually, that's the guy who's playing Jesus. And he's like, are you an extra or a principal? And he's like, um, a, a principal, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you never quite know how s- sincere the Coens are, are being with, uh, with the thing. You know, are they, are they laughing up their sleeve? Are they, or are they playing it straight? But they do seem to imply that as ridiculous and immoral as movie making may be, um, and I think this uh, this line is from a, another review I found. It might just be more positive than making atom bombs. I mean, that's kind of mm. what they're kind <laughs> yeah. of saying here. Low bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but bit, yeah. Uh, so I was tempted to kind of go through this and and talk about all the little Easter eggs and all the the little bits. And we could do some of that if you guys want. But uh, what what do you guys have want to say about this? The, either the Easter eggs or just bigger themes. I think with bigger themes, just this is actually honestly one of my favorite movies, just because it has that theme of even though the work can be thank- thankless and you have to deal with a lot of silliness, like art is worth it because it conveys a deeper meaning. And I feel like this movie kind of has that message, whether that's just my own interpretation as a Catholic or if that's what they're actually meaning. But like beauty has a point and beauty can help people become closer to God. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think that it also calls us to question our idols, right? I think that's one of the things that's really great about it is seeing the life behind the camera. And I know that at some point, everyone has that experience, right, where they've got these people that they uh, that they know from whatever, you know, a musician that they really love or an actor that they love the role of or something like that. And they meet them in person or hear something about them in the news and it just yeah. shatters that image they have. And or it's important see, yeah. to get that. <laughs> yeah. Or you see them on Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't ever meet your idols. I mean, that's really the, one of the things that you, I, I've learned that a long time ago. Just enjoy them in their character on the screen, but don't, don't, ex- don't expect them to be perfect people uh, in person. They're, Cause they're like you and me. Right. right. They're doing a job. Right. Right. There is one little bit, and I'm not sure whether this is serious or joke or, or, and I kind of can see that maybe it is serious. At the very end of the credits, there is a line that says, this motion picture contains no visual depiction of the Godhead. And I, th- I can see that being an important factor for certain audiences who are, who are very sensitive to, you know, Jewish and, and Muslim uh, people are very, sensitive it's it's forbidden to have a visual depiction of god but there's also a bit of it it's a bit of a joke too in the sense of that 
that's actually what happened in this movie. There is no there is no visual depiction of God in this movie. Right. And I think they they kind of hang a lantern on that, because in that meeting they have with uh, the religious figures, they're talking about how in this movie you don't actually see Christ. There's just glimpses of him. And then in the movie itself, you never actually see the guy who is playing Christ. You just see Mm -hmm. glimpses of him. You see him like from the back in that scene where George Clooney meets him. And I like how they have the guy who's playing Jesus have blonde hair, which is kind of a reference to the the whitewashing you would get with those kind of characters in 1950s movies. Right, right. That's true. And and in, in a way, throughout this movie, you do only you do see glimpses of Christ. You know, it's a uh, as Terry Mattingly, the, uh, the 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 religion columnist would say, it, it's a God haunted movie. You know, yes. God is there in, in you know, all around in on the edges of the screen, making his presence felt. I mean, this is kind of why we do what we do with SQPN is right because we find, you know, hints of God in present in a lot of things. But here, the filmmaker, I, I think the filmmakers are trying to do that in a, in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it goes back to talking about how, you know, how Mannix is kind of a, a Christ like figure. That's it, it's funny to go back through and, and think about that phrase as it relates to all of the characters in the movie. Right. There's 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 so much it's it's one of those kind of tongue-in-cheek references where there is something deific in everybody right if you Mm -hmm. look hard enough there's some piece of god in every person that you see right and that's that's kind of the point is like seeing beyond the flaws of these people even you know even channing tatum's character uh is, is such a phenomenal character because he's he's the epitome of what a good homegrown american actor should be and he's the guy that gets on the Russian submarine at the end, the Soviet submarine at the end and, and leaves, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, he even does the whole patriotic sailors, you know, uh, shipping out dance number, mm-hmm. which is a, a big dance number they do. I mean, they take a quite a bit of time for that number. With, and, and it feels like they're they're doing that on purpose because, I mean, they do a couple of them, too. They do that one with Scarlett Johansson, too, because they're not just they don't just want to run through the plot. They're also want to do these numbers, these sorts of scenes that you saw that saw in the movies that they're they're filmmakers. They love this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this is their history and they want to do it. So you, they yeah, yeah, that character has that great scene where he's doing the the, the sailors in, in the bar dancing around number. Uh, which had all kinds of uh, interesting implica- implications uh, for <laughs> for his uh, uh, taking off for the Soviet Union at the end. He did. Um, I will say he did a fantastic job with that because he did his own singing and all his own dancing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's done other stuff where he's had to sing and dance, too, hasn't he? T- Channing Tatum. Uh, I'm I haven't not sure. Looked, I haven't looked up. Uh, yeah, I never saw Magic Mike. That is not in my uh, genre of movies <laughs> yeah. that I would enjoy. But I think there was singing and dancing in that. Uh, but, uh, but of a sort, I guess. Of a, of a sort. So we'll, we'll just say, let's go with that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, gosh, um, I, there's just like, like I said, there's so many great small characters in this. Um, Natalie Mannix's secretary is great. Uh, Jonah Hill as the very flat affect, very unemotional Patsy, as we mentioned, the professional person who ends up marrying the actress. Like she's so intrigued by him that they end up getting married overnight. 
and uh, fixing the problem. <laughs> Part of the job, that, miss. Yeah, <laughs> fixing the problem that Manix was trying to fix anyway. So yeah, just so many good things like that. Uh, I think this movie really has the vibe of it's kind of like making jokes about your own family. You yeah. can feel that with the Coen Brothers. They're like, we're going to make these jokes about the film industry because we're part of the film industry so it doesn't feel like they're coming from the outside it's like we're going to poke fun at it because we're part of that right right that's the kind of jokes you can only make when you're in the family and if someone outside the family were to make them you'd like punch them in the nose <laughs> right don't make fun of my mother uh yeah sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah i agree i agree yeah it's it feels like a uh a playful fun homage to to a golden age that they are part of, you know, that they have inherited the the results of. It also, it also feels like a movie that has a point, but doesn't have a message. If that makes sense. Yes. Mm. Like there's does. a larger point they're trying to convey with the story, but it doesn't feel like they're trying to tell you a message about the morality of Hollywood. Well, that's an interesting point because there is a distinction. Movies would have a point. They, they often used to have a point, but they didn't have, uh, they didn't always have to have a message that they were driving home at you, uh, right. heavy handed, you know, you need to think this thing, you know, a movie can have a point to, of to just extolling a virtue or extolling a feeling even. Uh, right. But without like saying you need to think this. And that's the, I think of uh, the difference. And, yeah. and this movie doesn't do that. Well, it's funny because it had, you have all the communist writers that were trying to do exactly that thing, right? Where they were trying to write these little pieces into, but, right. but you, like you pointed out, Jack, they it was questionable whether or not they were doing a good job of that. <laughs> right. It wasn't even coming across. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the thing that they kind of point out in the movie is that their entire view is a utilitarian view. Like they want to use this as a utilitarian tool to convey this message, but the, that's not the point of a movie right mm -hmm. the point of a movie and then gosh isn't that a bit of an indictment of the modern hollywood uh, ideal right so many movies and tv shows are being made in order to convey a particular ideological viewpoint and we have to make sure we check these boxes and we have we you know we we do certain things in the movie and we check privileges and and are, you know, pro this or anti that. And mm -hmm. whereas it used to be just movies were made to entertain, mm -hmm. you know, and, and perhaps inform, but and tell a story, tell a story to be art, you know. Yeah. And in fact, so much of art these days is about driving home a message when, in fact, art is about having a point, you know, yes. or at least a point of view, shall we say. Well, that's I, I'll 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 go out on a limb here and I'll and I'll say it because and I know it, a, lot, a lot of people don't like it, but I am not a big fan of the Christian movie, quote unquote, Christian movie. That's like, you know, it's got this heavy handed way of presenting something. And it started yes. with this message that it wanted to tell you and never really got to the point of being entertaining. And so, you know, that's I, I definitely right, see yeah. the other end of it, too. Right. I agree. I've seen way more Christian novels and christian movies that were all about the message as important of a message as it was but missed the point of how of of what the form is which is to be a story or a movie you mm -hmm. know a, a tv show or a piece of art or a book an entertaining novel you know you've got to you gotta you gotta be a good you know like tolkien 
would say about the Lord of the Rings. You got to be a good story first before right. you get to, to, before you get anything else. It's the story itself. You have to serve the story, as Eddie says. Yeah, you cannot come with a message and then write a story around it. You have to write a story, and if your story is true, it's going to have a good message. But you cannot, you can't do it the other way around. Right, right. And we've we've seen plenty of examples of movies and whatnot that have been about a message, whether it's Christian movies or other kinds, that have been so mm -hmm. heavy-handed with a message that they lose the point uh, altogether. Gosh, what was the? Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm thinking of some examples, but the, you know I. Don't want to necessarily get into that, but there, there have been. I'm sure you could think of plenty of examples um, of of that sort of thinking. I have noticed that with the overemphasis on messages and stories nowadays, a lot of secular movies have become what Christian movies used to be with right. the way they're handling messages. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, there's. I can think of several, even just recent examples of that where the movie kind of got. It, it was it. it it got lost. It could have been good. Yeah. Whether or even some streaming series uh, have been that way as well. It's like, yeah, yeah you, got, you got so caught up in your agenda. This, in fact, like I'm watching, um, I'll give you a contemporary example because it's not really Hail Caesar, but the example a TV show called FBI that's on CBS, I think it is. And it's, it's a police procedural. Every week we're supposed to see these FBI agents catching bad guys. But they're so intent on having every week the bad guys are some form of right wing white supremacist, um, you know, and then when it isn't that it's because of a misunderstanding, you know, it's like it's always and they're so caught up in their agenda and their message and trying to which is not a bad thing. Let's not be racist. Let's not be, you know, domestic terrorists. That those are all good things. But they're so caught up with it. That it's not fun anymore. That's not interesting. Mm. I, the the, yeah. the mystery is gone because you're spending all your time pumping the message. And I'm like, I'm not having fun watching this anymore. I'm going to go watch something else. It's not like I don't have, uh, you know, a million of other things I can watch these days. That's the and that's the downside of getting yeah. so caught up in your message. <laughs> you don't want to be talked down to, which is the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's not like the old Hollywood movies that the, that are you know being extolled here in Hail Caesar. We're all that. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to denigrate because there were some amazing movies that were made back in those days. In the during the studio system, there was a lot of stuff being pumped out. Frankly, almost as much as is being pumped out these days uh, with all the streaming systems. But so there was a lot of dross, but there was a lot of gold in there. And mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not that it was all fluff to to keep the masses entertained. But it just wasn't, you know, heavy handed in most cases. There was there was right. a lot of a lot of gold in there. And I think you can even see with the examples they use in the movies, like they use like the Western, like kind of acrobatic stunt example. They have the aquatic synchronized swimming scene and they have the big musical number. The things they highlight for, from those movies are not really the message or the content of the movie so much as the the pure artistry of filmmaking mm -hmm. itself. Right. And then the, the Hail Caesar itself is a movie with a point and and as much of a message as anything. I mean, it's a religious epic. So therefore, right, it's right. it's it is it it does have a point. But, you know, the, the Ten Commandments or Ben-Hur or The Robe, these great classic, you know, Christian movie, you know, movies about Christ were not what you would call a Christian movie of today. Like you're talking about, Thomas, they right. definitely had a message. 
at a point, but they weren't heavy handed and they weren't they were still entertaining and artful. And and they didn't use archetypes, which I thought was really interesting. That That's something that you see, uh, you know, the Romans were were actual people and they were treated as actual people. And it's, yeah. it's, it's very different than the way that you see some of those kind of things today where there's, you know, if you have a Roman, it's got to be a bad Roman. He's got to be, you know, or, or there has to be like the senators. Oh, those guys are awful. And they show how awful they are and they don't really have any redeeming right quality to them you you just you're kind of handed this script that says here this person's the bad guy yeah okay fine (laughs) (laughs) right right they're flat and then you go then you go the other end of things where i think it is really interesting things being explored like um uh thanos's character in the marvel movies where he was you don't agree with him obviously he's he's doing something really horrible he's doing he's pursuing the ends and the means are being justified but he's an amazing character because you can almost understand him. You don't necessarily sympathize, but you can understand what he's doing. And that's a hard, a hard sell on a superhero movie like that. Right. Well, you have to give a villain humanity in terms of bad people don't do bad things because they want to be evil. They do those bad things because they think they are right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have to, as the audience, you have to understand why they think it's right. Right. I mean, yes. we, we've gotten so much into the, the chaotic evil villain these days, right? This is what we, this is the, the big thing, like the Joker sort of thing. The, the person who's bad because it's, they're crazy and they want to be bad. You know, that sort of thing. And, this, and it's hard to understand that sort of thing. But a bad guy who's a bad guy with motivations that's at least comprehensible and understandable that is that's harder and I think is more entertaining and more mm-hmm. interesting. You know, speaking of like Romans who aren't flat, there's a, there is a newish uh, actually from the same year movie that uh, as Hail Caesar, the, a movie that has that's it's a Christian movie, but has a li- as the characters aren't as flat. And I'm thinking of the movie Risen starring Joseph Fiennes, brother of Ray Fiennes, who's in this movie, hmm. Uh, hmm. which is he's a Roman centurion who's it's almost a police procedural who's tasked the day after the resurrection to find out what happened. He's the the tribune tells him, look, there's something wacky going down down in Jerusalem. Go investigate and put an end to the nonsense right now. Find out where the body is and just stop, you know, put and put put the story away. And he goes on this journey literally and spiritually uh, to Christ. And there's, he's an interesting character because he starts out as unsympathetic in, in some ways as uh, he's hostile to Christianity, but he goes on this journey and it's a fairly believable journey. Uh, it's, it, it's huh. a good one. I, I would recommend it. Uh, and maybe we should do a whole episode of uh, secrets and movies on, on it. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I really yes, enjoyed I that. that. Yeah. Um, all right. So but we we've kind of gotten a field from Hail Caesar. Anything <laughs> uh, left to say about this movie? I mean, there's tons to say, but anything more we should say uh, at this point? I guess the only other thing I would say is it almost reminded me of a Wes Anderson movie in the way mm. that it has that kind of it's like a hyper reality. OK, where it's it's it with it's within its own world, like it's it takes place in our world, but it has this very particular feel where you can see that it's not really that. OK. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not uh, big up. I'm not up on Wes Anderson films, so 
I'll have to take your word on that one. I, I 100% an, agree. And I'm yeah. as a, as a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yeah. I, yeah it, it did. There's just something he does with his movies where everything feels right. Like all of the, all of the stuff in the movie is internally consistent and it might be crazy cakes, but it's internally consistent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get that. That's so it, there's a lot of attention to detail, a lot of attention to everything is intentional. Everything that happens in the movie mm-hmm. is yes. there for a reason. Okay. Yeah. I can, yeah. I, I've heard that about the Wes Anderson and I can see that in this, there's, there's, there's very little that happens in this movie that is not somehow connected to the overall point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I'm just thinking of all the little details that, that are in this and yeah. Even the narrator, there's a, they haven't, this is a, a, cla- a classic thing that they did in older movies is having a narrator. And there's a narrator in this movie, which is, is fascinating. It's Michael Gambone as Dumbledore. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it's perfect. It's, it's perfectly done. All right. I think we should wrap it up there and uh, let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Travis S, Joel K, Lars S, Don H and Ryan R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give today. So that's it from us. What did you think of Hail Caesar? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Until next time, Jack Barzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Hail Caesar. Thanks, Tom. Thomas Sanerho, thank you as well. It was a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. <laughs>